Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a longtime gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Hey everybody, it is time for the 20-Minute Scriptorian. We are headed into the Johannine letters, or 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and we'll probably hit Jude as well, and today in the All About 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. So... Thank you, everyone, for joining us. The uh, support has been overwhelming, and so every time I log in, I think, boy, I just don't have time to study all this, and, and as much as I want to share everything that, that I love to talk about the scriptures, it's just it's a lot of work, and yet I uh, get so much great support and, and things that it makes it worthwhile. So thank you again. It's, I'm really uh, very grateful for everyone's support. So we are headed into the end of the year, as you know, and we are finishing up the last of the epistles before we jump into the book of Revelation. And so they're, they're short. So we're headed into the first, second, and third John and Jude or Judah, as it's some kind some uh, sometimes called in, in your translation. So in all about, as you recall, we do a little overview. And so what I wanted to do is do a short introduction to kind of the uh, what these are about, the, the John letters are about, and then some of the uh, origins and we'll talk a little bit about who he's writing to, as well as when he's writing, and a couple other concepts that will help as you jump in. So let's do that, and then, boy, are we going to get to Jude? Let me look at my notes here. Eh, yeah, we'll probably do a little bit of Jude, too. So right now, let's jump into John. So these first three short letters of John are probably by the same author. That's why we say it's by John. However, they don't ever say that. The second and third letter say they're by the elder but they don't actually say who they are uh, from. So they, but they seem to have emerged from the same group, from the same community, or just like a group of churches that were probably near each other. So think of it as like a stake or something like that, where there are little small churches in an area. And they are definitely by whoever wrote the fourth gospel. Again, John. So there's where you get that idea. But just note, when you're reading it, it never says that this is by John. The, they have an, a really nice account, you'll see, of a theme that you keep saying over and over again with John, and that's the account of truth and love, and it really draws in the whole idea of the atonement of Christ. So if you think of the Gospel of John, you would say, yeah, Lori, that is right on track, and you'll see the same thing in these small letters. So it really talks about truth, love, truth and love, and then drawing together the atonement. Uh, some other highlights, you'll see some on the Holy Spirit the church being made up of the children of God. And and a little bit different than the other letters I want you to look at. See if, as you read through these, if you don't see the outpouring of love, the expression of love over and over again of God in giving us Jesus as the Messiah. So you're going to see that God's love is shown or expressed through his son. And just this nice, beautiful concept, especially as we come into Christmas. It is a perfect way to wrap up coming into Christmas is the gift that God loves us so much that he gave his son. 
a couple other things there that these letters seem why you have all this love and harmony and in this community being written about it seems like some of the same things you're gonna themes you're gonna see in the others is that there seems to be some challenges uh, some challenging circumstances at least when this is written in so there is a division within the local uh, Jewish community there's are probably written pretty early on then so you're still seeing hey was Jesus really the Messiah so this is still a very Jewish church at this time so this is early but there seems to be a little bit of that coming on also there seems to be a division um, one that we just don't well, kind of creeps back in right now uh, historically but whether Jesus had really appeared in the flesh so when he comes back after the resurrection there are some that are saying no he didn't come back in the flesh right he just appeared to them some kind of spirit or something like that I want to point out one thing that I find interesting with that is that you you might not realize this but um, as uh, a scholar or a budding scholar and I'm going to school and I'm going to school that's not LDS as you know uh, one of the concepts that is re reiterated over and over again is that God is transcendent and he's a spirit and not a personage of flesh and bone like we know and so here we have this same concept about Jesus that I keep learning about in school and so it, it's so funny that you're like well who even you know is that a big deal or why does that matter too much but um, a fundamental understanding of God and here it is the same about Christ happening in John so you're going to see that too we're going to see also a few things about some inter uh, branch rivalries and there's a guy called uh, Diotrephes um, so a big weird uh, Greek name but Diotrephes who doesn't really recognize John as the authority and so John is going to remind him that the best thing to do when we are confronted with with these false beliefs is is love and so instead of fighting back is love so you're going to see that theme all right so the the first letter though let, that's kind of the general idea of the three the first letter though you're going to see this theme of love and it's going to start being revealed in christ through his death and and that needs to be worked out in the in the community so we need to understand uh, this death of, of Christ and how much he loves us through his death. And so for each of us as new community members, say we're new members of the church, we have a new identity. And so when Christ returns, it, our new identities will be fully revealed. And now it isn't so clear, right? We have to live in the world, but in the future we'll be seen as we are. So even though some may try to deceive the church and, and even some from inside the church in John's letter, they're either, design, again, denying that Jesus is the Messiah or that he came in the flesh. But a true sign of belonging is, is not fighting them. It's going to be turning from sin and being uh, showing love and self-sacrifice to those. So that's kind of an interesting theme you'll see in the first letter. The second letter has kind of the same th uh, theme as the first, uh, and it is addressed by the elder. So it says this is by the elder, calls himself an elder. Um, of this church uh, and then he also seen as a ch the chosen lady so the author is part of a sister church and so he, he kind of says they're uh, the children of your chosen sister so it's hey our our neighboring ward you know our sister church over there so again reminds them about deceivers and and really talks again about these teachers it seems like they're almost uh, teachers that float around and they go from ward to ward and they will kind of rouse things up and so it's going to be a problem when these teachers show up they they tend to cause problems so the gold standard is it is the coming of christ is going to come in the flesh right he is going to come back so that's kind of the 
the main idea of, of letter two. The third letter is about hospitality. So as the church spreads, and remember this is really early on, and they're trying to welcome in new members, and they're going to be from all over different cultures, different ages. Some are going to be free, some are going to be slaves, some are going to be Jews, some are going to be Gentiles. And if they're Gentiles, they're from all different cultures, Gentiles, Romans, Greeks, um, all many, many, many different cultures, um, African, North African, everywhere. And so they're going to say, hey, as it spreads, don't forget that if there's just one or two or a dozen believers that we want to, um, we're going to be having this hostility, right, as believers from, from our communities. They're not going to understand us, but we should trust and love each other and, and support those other um, disciples of Christ as they travel. So in this one, there it refers to beloved Gaius, um, some other Christian member, some other member of the church, and congratulates him on welcoming these traveling members as they come through. So uh, not everyone has been so generous in spirit as people come to visit. And so uh, John is warning everyone, um, again, about this Diotrephes, who is uh, spreading false rumors about uh, the elder, about John himself, and, and saying, hey, expel him from the community and look for this true, um, true hospitality. Uh at the same time, he uh, t talks about a guy, Demetrius, really proud of him, probably the guy who wrote the letter or carried the letter for him. And so it's this letter is like the others, offers a little vignette, a little picture, a little snapshot of what it was like to live in this first century, right? Small groups, learning to get along with each other, understanding the role of Christ in the atonement, and learning to love each other in the midst of persecutions from internal and external. Could be letter for, written for us. A theme that you can watch for as you read through this is the idea that John is going to explain. He's going to say over and over again, like in the beginning, from the beginning, in the beginning or from the beginning. And so John is referring back to the eyewitnesses testimony of the word. Remember this, if it was John, he is one of those eyewitnesses, one of the apostles that had seen from the beginning. So he is going to go back to this to say, hey, for the community, uh, for the ward, for the branch, that these are acknowledgments of truth. So remember these kind of these people stirring up the pot and causing problems. And so he's saying, hey, there's more faithfulness there. And there are some others that are, he's going to be very strongly worded against these dissenters, liars, deceivers. They uh, walk in the way of darkness. They hate, they are false prophets. And uh, maybe they even say they're without sin and they're trying to lead you astray. And they receive the radical label, right? They're antichrists. And so John is going to remind his readers that they are led by the spirit of truth. And in the beginning, one who'd seen all of these things. So I love that in this, you can get this feeling of the persecutions and the strifes going on in these small branches. And John is reminding them of calm, love, truth, uh, in, in coming back to the Savior and his atonement. So he calls them to uh, hold fast to their testimonies that they had had and the teachings of the example of the Messiah and to abide in the Messiah. So there's a big theme and you'll see that. Watch for it as you read through it because once you see it, you'll see it a bunch of times. In the beginning, in the beginning, he's trying to remind us of his authority and how he knew what was going on. Uh, the Here's a little bit, if you want to put on your uh, theology hat for a minute, is uh, docetism, is a, this, this idea that we see in... The first, second, third century a, uh, A.D., which is 
it's a Greek word which comes from to seem or to appear docetism. And it's the belief that only Jesus only appeared or he only seemed to be really human. But really he was just, this is going to sound wacky to us, right? But he was just like projecting or it was some kind of spiritual manifestation, but he really wasn't human. So we are like, why would anybody find that attractive? Or why would anybody think that was interesting? Uh, but a couple of things. Uh, one, it, it probably was very difficult for people of the time to see uh, the son of God or a, a God. Remember, they had lots of them back then. So as they were converting to Christianity, to see one who was killed, but not only killed in a very, he was killed in a very shameful way, right? Uh, uh, crucifixion. And so it would have been hard for them. So it would have said, oh, it only seemed like he was like that. He, he If he's all powerful and God like uh, Christ, then they would find that weird. So that's kind of the idea. So they said, well, they would rather have him been only seemed, only seemed like he was there. So yeah, it's a weird concept to us, but think for a second, is there any kind of um, false doctrines that you think maybe could sneak in with us about the nature of Christ and, and uh, some other beliefs? And you don't have to think very hard to say, yeah, they come up all the time. Uh, probably not so much in your own ward or branch, but they do come up in the world, right? Christ was only a, didn't, wasn't, wasn't part of a virgin birth. I even hear that at school um, that they don't always believe that he's the only begotten son. He's just his, he's a special, unique individual. They don't believe in an actual uh, sonship, just it's very odd. It's very odd. And so you're like, well, it says it right there. And anyway, so we, we get into dis weird dis uh, discussions. And so the same concept of, of him only seeming to be. Uh, the other is the physical body. So we kind of can see why people would find that weird if you take a step back. Uh, the spiritual things are seeing as higher, right? And the carnal and the body might be as negative. We know that our bodies are important and that they comprise the whole human soul, right? Our bodies and our spirits together. But you can see maybe in anciently it was like, ugh, you know, body's bad. So there, it, it, it was harder. They kept trying to kind of spin the gospel and the things that they understood back then. And so John is going to correct some of those ideas. So this is really getting in the weeds, but it will help you understand where they re refer to this stuff in John. And, and you're like, what? Uh, and that's kind of what he's, he's, they're talking about is this tradition of him just seeming to, or maybe he didn't have a body. Uh, what, what kind of letter is this? Well, we talked about the pastoral epistles, which were Timothy, Timothy, and Titus, meaning they were letters going, going out to like the bishops. And the uh, John's epistles are kind of the same. They may have been even sent together as kind of a package deal. We don't know, but they each had some individual elements. Um, John 1 is a lot like a sermon. John 2 is, is a letter kind of covers John 1 for a specific purpose. John 3 uh, talks about a couple of those people, Gaius, Demetrius, and watch out for that uh, Diotrophenes. Uh, I don't know why I can't say his name all of a sudden, but there you go. Okay, so there's kind of the idea of what's going to go on with John's. Let's jump over to Jude really quickly. So Jude is an interesting also letter as well. We call it one of the early Christian letters because it's written so early. Um, in fact, these are some of the earliest letters written even before the Gospels uh, are written or probably these letters. But Jude, uh, or his name Judah or Yehuda, 
in Hebrew, uh, was the half-brother of Jesus. So like James or Jacob, Jacob, they had brothers. And so there's some debate, obviously, in so it's just your scholarly hat. So don't get worried about this stuff. But it's interesting, just so you know. There's some scholar debate, depending on what denomination you're from and scholars, whether they were whole brothers, uh, half brothers, step brothers, different things, but um, but probably half brothers, right? So Mary's other children born after Jesus, and so they were uh, half brothers. But the there's the two brothers. We'll call them James. We we'll use their uh, names you're most familiar with, James and Jude, and they teach the members of the church uh, to show their family resemblance to Jesus. So um, kind of interesting. They are first mentioned when. In the story when Jesus is teaching in Nazareth and he goes to the synagogue and they show up and they are trying to, um, the mother, the Jesus' mother Mary and the brothers are very worried about him and they try to seize him and pull him out of there and like, what are you doing, Jesus? Like, we grew up with you. What are you doing? So they're very worried about him uh, causing trouble or being seen in the bad light or something. So, so they, that's the first time we are introduced to them. And yet... Uh, Jesus, after his resurrection, specifically appears to James, and he soon, um, after he had gone with Peter and disappeared after his travels, uh, James becomes a leading figure in Jerusalem, and we talked about them, him being the bishop, kind of, of Jerusalem. Now, Jude, on the other hand, we don't, it seems like while James stayed in Jerusalem, Jude travels around, so there are these other brothers, Joseph, Jude, and Simon, and they all seem to have traveled with their wives in the missionary work around the Palestine area. And there's some implication that Paul has in First Corinthians of that. And so, uh, let's see, I had some other note. There's also a story, I was kind of a story where they were worried about these claimants to the perhaps the throne. So there is an early Christian leader, his name's Eusebius, and he writes a story about James, the, the other brothers at, before James. And they bring the, they're saying, hey, these grandsons, um, that the grandsons of Jude uh, had to be brought before uh, Domitian, the, uh, uh, the Roman emperor. And they were saying, oh, these Davidic potential usurpers so they bring in Jude's grandsons and they were saying oh they're of the royal house and they showed him his their hands and their hands were were uh you know beaten up and blistered from uh, day labor from hard labor and they were poor so they they obviously um were showing that they weren't kings at all and so the emperor released them and then actually stopped his banishing of Christians because they explained that the kingdom was yet to come in the future but anyway kind of an interesting story about Jude and his grandsons but that's kind of what we know about Jude. Jude uh, we don't tend to cover very much much but it he tends to be an important witness to the Jews in the area that they were receiving the early church so sometimes you think oh the Jews didn't accept Christ but obviously all of these people are Jewish and Jude is is writing to the early church and is a significant uh, a writer on some of the basic theology some of the basic beliefs so there's a struggle obviously with the Greek culture that how different it was and so he talks about that he also shows uh, faith um, how faith is such an in this devotion and faith and belief is important something that's also different in how we believe remember these ancient religions were 
very, I, I said it earlier, but like check the box. Like you had to just achieve them and, and just try to gain favor with the gods or at least not get in their bad sight. And so it wasn't about belief and hope and faith and something changing inside. It was about performing something or checking a box. And so Jude, you'll see, is really working with people to understand this is something that changes inside. Uh, there's a common commitment now with James and Jude to being committed to Jesus. And I love that, that his family was so committed to them. Well, that's, that's it. Uh, that is probably the best thing that we are going. Oh, one other, I was going to say one other thing. Uh, Jude is a letter to kind of coax and urge the readers to hold to the faith. So as you listen to that, and sometimes they'll say, oh, it's showing the apocalyptic end view and the times, ends of times, but it's really to say, hey, it's going to get tough, but, but hang on, hang on there when things go bad um, or when your faith is challenged. So that's pretty much it, though. That is our all about. So join me next time as we jump into the scriptures themselves.